Welcome to Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley. And uh, this might be the sweatiest edition of Two Brothers Review ever. No air conditioning where you're at, huh? It's been a hot one here. Well, it's rough. You're not even in New York today. It's true. It's true. I'm coming to you from nice and dry Utah, but it was hot. It's a desert. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, uh, we're talking about another sweaty movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's a good word for it. I think it was a sweaty movie. I just think it would have been so hot back then. No air conditioning. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The average temperature would have been lower, though, because they didn't have global warming. Fair enough. But before we get too the, far but, into that... But also, they never looked hot, did they? They were not sweaty. Oh, I thought... Uh, I thought Brad's... <laughs> I thought Brad's pits were... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought Brad Pitt looked... A little sweaty sometimes. You're just saying that because he took off his shirt. Uh, I mean, was I a little sweaty? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that scene was so funny. Uh, anyway, I know we're jumping the gun here. <laughs> All right, before we get into the movie, though, we wanted to give our genre pick for favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. Ty, how about you? Well, I think the truth is this probably isn't good. I've only seen one other one in Glorious Bastards, so I'm definitely choosing that one. I really liked it. I don't I don't know why I have an aversion to seeing his other movies. Do you not like the graphic violence? I don't particularly love the graphic violence. It also just feels kind of mean-spirited always. Okay. I think Jackie Brown is the only movie I haven't seen of his. Okay, all right. Besides maybe maybe his Grindhouse one. I didn't watch that. But like Kill Bill, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, with that said, I'm also going to pick Inglorious Bastards. That's definitely the best of his movies. I think it's really great. The scene in the uh, basement bar, that shootout is so good. Uh-huh. That was really fun. I love the ending. It's very satisfying. Uh, Yeah, of a companion piece to this movie with a little revisionist history. Hey, yeah, if it works, do it again. So going into this movie, did you have high expectations for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I think I did. I think, uh, well, I don't know. I I had reservations because of of these same feelings about Quentin Tarantino movies, but... Um, it seemed kind of cool. Like, it seemed like a cool vibe of a movie. Sure. Yeah. I like the, that it felt laid back. So yeah, I was, I mean, I was, I was excited to see it. You? Yeah, I was too. I guess I do like his movies and I feel like Brad Pitt is great in Inglorious Bastards. I'm happy that he was working with Quentin Tarantino again. Um, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio, also a good actor. Solid. Always solid. And Margot Robbie, can't go wrong. I feel like she barely got to act in it. I thought her part was so boring. She didn't have a lot of interactions with people. She was pretty silent, even when she was on camera. Yeah. And, and yeah, like, her character is so interesting. Uh, in real life, I mean. But she became this kind of doll, or just didn't even, yeah, like you just said, didn't talk. But maybe because we don't really 
know what Sharon Tate was like or, I don't know, her life was ended. It was more of a kind of like reflection of her and not really her. I think that's a generous interpretation. I think more likely Tarantino wanted to glorify these men. <laughs> the, made, the made up characters. Yeah, and they're, they're his uh, avatars for his nostalgia for the greatness, the great times past and she was not needed or didn't feature into that so she becomes this static character okay i that's my reading of it well i know when this film first screened people had that complaint and they you know talked about it with quentin tarantino and margot robbie in an interview and she said you know she read the script she knew what she was signing up for and she still wanted to be in it so yeah because i guess i don't feel bad about it but well, I don't feel wait, I don't feel bad for her. She probably made a lot of money, plus it's a she's in a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's great for her. She Yeah. She would do it if she had to like stand on a headset the whole her head headstand the whole time. I mean That's a movie. Also <laughs> That would be funny now. Also, Quentin Tarantino, was he sitting next to her when she said that? I think he was, yeah. I mean an actor's an actor would never say that. When the director's sitting next, and the director writer, they would never be like, "Yeah, the character seemed pretty shallow." That's fair. I bet that is true. Okay, but it's it's not a huge complaint, but it did bother me. Yeah, because I mean, I love Margot Robbie, and I wanted to see her do her thing, and I feel like never we never got to see that. Yeah, with uh, I guess only having one exposure to Quentin Tarantino before this, did you feel like his directing style or? kind of common structural things from Inglorious Bastards were in this movie too? Well, I was surprised how loose the structure was, or it just felt very, um, like I felt like a few of the shots and a few of the scenes, the way the shots were set up in the scenes was, I would say the word that comes to mind is lazy. And I don't think he's lazy, but, but it just felt kind of very unintentional. I don't know. I was surprised because I, you know, everyone, views him as one of the greatest directors working now. But I thought the setups were kind of, yeah, lazy. Do you have an example, maybe one that you're thinking of? I can remember it happened, I think it was the scene where Kurt Russell comes to Leonardo DiCaprio's trailer to argue about hiring Cliff. And uh, they're just, like the shots, there's too many cuts. They, the angles are a little weird. Like you, I feel like you want angle. You want the camera to be really close to the head of one actor when you're looking at the other actor, because then you connect better with the the sight. Looks more like they're almost looking right at you. It just feels better. It draws you in more. And I felt like there were a few angles or a few times where the sh- where the camera was kind of there, but then also a few times where where it was further out off of the eye line line, the eye line diagonal. Okay. Um, I'd have to watch it again to remember exactly which scenes but it just felt like kind of the the camera placement was random almost random and the how fast it cut between sides and shots was i don't know just didn't have a rhythm that felt good to me i i don't know i was surprised i didn't i didn't go in thinking that would be true go ahead i guess that didn't that didn't stand out to me but i guess apart from just the directing it's interesting that he wrote this you know and makes the whole story and uses that structure of sort of nonlinear storytelling, 
where there are these different flashbacks and kind of reflections and interludes throughout the movie. Did you like them? I did. I always thought they were kind of interesting or funny. But and then even the pacing, like we we see these two days, and then six months later, the night of the attack, where you know it's a long movie where you're spending you know, almost two hours to go over two days of events, and then the last forty minutes are is that last night. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, what are you saying about that? Uh, I guess it just felt a little heavy to me in the beginning. Like, I don't think we needed all of the setup, you know, all of the outlaw they're the bounty law flat, you know, shots. And I guess I feel like it was sort of indulgent to have so many of those scenes. For right. Sure. Like I, that movie could have been two hours. Yeah. He just likes to be clever or wants to show off the cleverness of his little fake movies that, but maybe people like being in that world. I mean, like I, I guess I liked this movie, so that's that's what's kind of tough. Yeah, like I, it was still fun, but it seemed unnecessary to me. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's the defining characteristic of it's very it's very gratuitous. It's like the violence is gratuitous, the the lingering and the nostalgia is gratuitous. Yeah, when. Uh, when they get to the the end, that attack scene, you know, there'd been that, that one sort of punch out at the at the ranch and the fight with Bruce Lee, but that wasn't, like, graphic. No, but it was awesome when he threw him into the car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was so cool. It was freaking sweet. <laughs> I don't know why I liked it so much, but I loved it. Yeah, that was a great kind of situation. I really wanted to see how it would resolve, like, who would get the the third, the second knockdown. Yeah. Uh, but then Russ, or, um, it gets broken up. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, though. You're saying? Yeah, just when they get to that last scene, how, I don't know, it was shocking to me. The first, when he throws the can, and the girl just starts screaming. I think it was, yeah. I, I mean, I think it was supposed to be shocking. I he pl- He plays on, he his movie depends on this sort of, base part of us which is the part of us that wants revenge or wants restorative justice you know where if you're a bad person you get things bad things happen to you i just think that's like not the best part of us (laughs) and he he depends on it yeah i think he wants there to be that resolution or that punishment yeah Uh, i was watching it and there's an older couple next to me I mean, probably 70 or so. And the wife, uh, as that fight scene is happening, (laughs) leans over to her husband and says, oh, they must have sent another group of hippies to Sharon Tate's house. (laughs) Uh, She's sort of totally missing the point of (laughs) this change to history. Yeah. It was so funny to me. That is so funny. Well, who knows? Then, well, I think we do know. Oh, we right. saw her at the uh, end. Right, right. right. <laughs> Although the last shot is this overhead, kind of pulling away from that driveway as uh, Leonardo DiCaprio goes into their house. Yeah. And this is like a maybe a bit of a stretch, but a thought I've had is like, I don't know. That's a little bit more of an ominous shot, and 
maybe it's this actor who tried to be a movie star but was totally fading at this point sort of had the same fate as Sharon Tate where he was dead to the world, basically. Okay, that's interesting. I like it. I'm not sure I agree. That's okay. He... I, I, it's like he's, I, he's entering that house and basically dying that same night. That's okay. But I think the, I actually think the movie supports the opposite view, which is because remember he says, I'm one pool party away from getting cast into the, the next Roman Polanski film. Oh, right. I guess in the narrative, I, I it's more mer- metaphorically than in the narrative of this movie. No. Okay. Well, I, I don't know then. I don't know exactly what you mean by that. What I, mean I, I think it's. <laughs> I thought I still think it is symbolic of. Um, he gets because he saved them. He he has a shot at being in the next Roman Polanski movie. Like his career isn't over. This is hopeful. I agree that yes, that is how that story ends. Okay, but you just thought the. The, the actual technical shot was ominous, and so you're looking for a, a meaning for that. Kind of, yeah, just something different. Yeah, it could be true. Because, I mean, how do you think Leonardo DiCaprio did playing this kind of washed-up actor? I liked him a lot. I Brad Pitt seemed very stiff to me. I did not quite get his performance, but I thought Leonardo DiCaprio was great. Uh, yeah, it's like Brad Pitt might have always been on acid throughout the movie just very chill kind of uh-huh. weird but i thought leonardo did a great job sort of showing that kind of vulnerability and self-doubt yeah i i, I just thought that was impressive i feel like brad pitt delivered all of his lines very canned they were not very uh connected connective so he just kind of became this it, it became less and less of a real character a real person over the course of the film for me and then doing things like taking off his shirt just I don't know it just it just felt like not a lot of very real behavior real human behavior okay I think he was supposed to be sort of mapped on somebody but not a character that I was aware of or I'm familiar with yeah, I saw an interview where Tarantino said that they watched a particular film with a particular actor and he was trying to hit that style or that note. Yeah, did you think it was weird they didn't resolve if he did or didn't kill his wife on that boat? No, I don't think it's weird. I think it's I think it's good to leave it ambiguous. Because he definitely did. Because we definitely don't know. I don't think he did. He's got too much sense of honor and chivalry. He would have, he, I think he would have suffered in silence rather than act out violently. Okay, I do think that's probably true. I can see that. But it's, I think it's awesome that we don't know. You, does it bother you? No, I guess it would be nice to be definitive, I think. That's like not a bad thing in my mind. I don't know. I think movies should have a lot of ambiguity. Because it makes him a much more... It's much more interesting. You're just off-kilter a little bit with him all the time. Yeah. It's like we might have different choices then. <laughs> <laughs> for, for writing a story? Yeah, like I even want there to be little... Chi- Chirons at the end of the movie. 
telling me what happened to these characters as the, in the in the future. Well, I, those are very satisfying for tr- for true characters. You want that for Cliff Booth? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Did you ever see Sandlot? They tell you what happens to each one of those kids. Oh gosh. I mean, it wouldn't be bad. That'd be kind of fun. A way to get in another joke or two. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't find very believable how Brad Pitt's character picked up that girl, Pussycat, and then took such an interest in them once he got there. I. It just seemed weird. Like, it felt like he had to be interested and had to go up to the house just to set up the weird dynamic for later. But don't you think? he would have that sense of honor if because he did know that guy and he had shot films there that he would care about him i guess i don't know i think it needed to be set up a little bit better set up a little bit more and then also it doesn't get it doesn't pay off because those those manson family killers end up coming into his house not even because of him it's because of uh leo's character it would have been so much i think it would have been so much more satisfying if they switched houses they're attacking because of what he did that day at their ranch. Like, oh, or it's sort of his, it's not just totally random. Yeah, it's totally random the way it was. That's not cool. I mean, that's not just, it's just less satisfying story-wise. Or like, it is the same drug. Like, I don't recognize, I didn't recognize any of the final girls from the scene at the ranch. Like, it wasn't Pussycat who was there. Yeah. But it was the, it was the guy who, on horseback. So, like, if he had seen him and then said, oh, let's change our plan. Let's get back at this guy. Yeah. I feel like that would, that would have been using that event in a more um, dramatic way. Are there other things you like or dislike about this movie? I do like that he had the flamethrower in his garage. The, it I, is. I it was, was funny. Right? I thought that like, was funny. <laughs> I think there are other jokes throughout this movie like that play pretty well. Like, like. his conversation with the uh, child actress. Oh, yeah. Well, did you find that particularly funny? I thought it was very poignant. Or, like, ironic? I don't... Just... Yeah, I thought it was funny. Maybe not comedic, but situationally funny. Well, it's just funny because it's a movie about men and their power and their the glory years. And then this little 10-year-old girl pops their balloon with her sharp pin yeah. of, of uh, cleverness or depth. I, loved, I also loved how um, you'd be watching a scene from one of his shows, and there would be several cuts. So it's like you're watching the final edit, but then one cut would go into him forgetting a line, calling for line. I thought I thought that was very smooth and interesting. But like using the footage or shooting style of the show, right? Yeah. Yeah, the the, yeah. the footage is as if it was from the camera of that show, yeah. Yeah, that is good. Uh, I also liked the conversation he has with Al Pacino talking about why he is the heavy in all these TV shows and how he is just setting up younger stars to supplant him. Yeah. I wish I didn't understand that character, the Al Pacino character, though. Like, you just don't know anything about why he's doing it or who. Well, he's a know. producer, right? Is he? I don't know. He's. I think he's a producer trying to get him to do movies in Italy. Okay, I don't think he ever said he's 
he's producing the Italian films. Did he? Okay. I think so. He's definitely connected to them. And, okay, why is this American Hollywood exec doing that? I bet some American Hollywood exec in 1960s was doing that. Okay. I don't know. It, it just felt kind of disconnected from the rest of the film for me. Okay. Also, I was bummed we never got to see Cliff Booth really work. I think it would have been... <laughs> I think it would have been awesome to see him do like a kind of behind the scenes shot of a of how a stuntman works on set. Have him actually trying to be like Leo. Yeah, and have had see him fall off a horse. And... Maybe they just couldn't get Brad Pitt to do that. Brad Pitt's stunt double being yeah Brad Pitt as a stunt double. They sh- exactly it creates that opportunity for that kind of meta moment where it's not Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. But well, I just yeah. Besides that, I just think it's weird that we see we see Leo work over and over again in these scenes. I guess Brad's just not working. I don't know. Or or in the flashback scenes, it would have been cool. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It could be one of the flashbacks from when they first met. Yeah, to show footage of the TV show and then show how well, who you're seeing is actually Cliff, not Rich or Dalton. Yeah. Uh, okay. What would you rate Once Upon a Time in Hollywood out of five? Oh, shoot. <laughs> I really want a half number right there, huh? I think I do want a half number. Too bad. Uh, I'm going to go with... Oh, I feel like we haven't talked about the reasons that I'm going to give it a two. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Are there, is there anything you didn't like about this movie? Wait, are we going back in time? Well, I'll just cut to this. I'll cut all my questions. Okay. I'll cut the question about it out. All right, do it again. Are there other things that you wanted to say that you didn't like about this movie? Uh, it, it feels um, kind of vainglorious in terms of Tarantino glorifying these two men. I don't know. It just felt, it felt kind of icky to me. And and I've read stuff since then that has helped me understand, I think, better why, but it's it's very regressive. That these are the heroes, these two guys. Yeah, and look, they deserve so much more. It's like, and it feels very entitled. Like, Leo can't figure out why he's not doing better, and he deserves to be doing better. And I just, I liked his acting, but I didn't find very much redemptive in that. In that character who, his whole thing, his, the whole dramatic obstacle for him is coming to terms that with the fact that he's going to be a very rich movie star instead of a superstar. Right, it's like his life's still pretty good. Yeah, he still lives in Hollywood Hills. So I just didn't, I don't know. I, and then also the violence, it, I had this... I sat next to a woman in the theater who just laughed at everything, like cackled so hard at all the violence and all all the stuff that and all the kind of sad stuff, like the blind. I found that blind man at Old the man. ranch. I found that scene very sad, and That's, she it was creepy, no good. And I and but I think I don't really know, but my sense is Tarantino is more like the woman next to me who he just wants to cackle at everything. I just don't like it. Yeah, it the the violence against 
like seeing Brad Pitt beat up on young women, it's not a good look. Yeah. It made yeah, it's very it was very kind of gross. And there is some intense violence in Inglorious Bastards, but it is against Nazis and Hitler, so maybe that didn't bother me so much. Well, I also just think it's um it's more of an adventure movie where you're kinda you're on board that they're this is their job. It's war, this is their job. Whereas yeah. this one it's this very languid, calm, slow-paced thing. And then, and, then, and then Brad Pitt trips on acid and freaking kills people. Right. Just It's very much a switch turns. Yeah. So, I don't know. We could rate it. Yeah. How would you rate this movie out of five? I would give it a two. That seems low to me, but I guess you have said things you didn't like about this movie. I just thought it was pretty good. And, like, I will watch it again, I'm sure. Yeah, I left with a bad feeling. Okay. I'm going to rate this movie a a four. Okay. Jeez, that's high. (laughs) It's not, I don't know if it's so high, but. (laughs) It's above average. I think this movie was above average. There are a lot of bad movies out there. That's true. There are a lot of bad movies. Do you have something else you want to recommend? Well, this week I want to recommend... I watched the film at the movie theater that Quentin Tarantino owns. It's called the New Beverly Cinema. Okay, yeah. It's in Beverly Hills, and it's... uh, Or maybe it's in Hollywood. I don't know. I can't tell the difference between those cities. Um, But it... And I ate... Like, I ate dinner at the El Coyote two weeks ago, um, which is where the the Tate... Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski have their last dinner. And... Uh, the, he didn't put. I don't think he put the new Beverly Cinema in the film, but it's an awesome theater where everything's always shown on thirty-five millimeter projection, and it has these in the. They have these huge posters. I, it must be the exact ones from his house, actually, in the film, up on the wall in the theater. So it's okay. it's like they're advertising these fake spaghetti westerns, <laughs> and uh, and then they do this. They have someone introduce the film, and then. Um, they show longer clips from his TV shows, like Bounty Law. So Quentin Tarantino shot longer sequences than he showed. And so sure. we got to watch one. It was probably like an eight-minute clip at the beginning, before the movie started. Uh, and That's then, a better trailer than any trailer I saw, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they still showed three more trailers from movies that opened in 1969. That, That's the, clever. That was those were the only trailers that they showed, and then, yeah, I mean it was it was an experience. It was fun. They do a good job of, like they had a, an employee that goes up at the beginning and explains everything, and so I would recommend if you're in L.A., my recommendation this week is go see this film there. You'll get a little extra bonus clip, and it's fun to see it. And then I also noticed uh, the band Heim. You know that band? Yeah. Their new video is, I think it's called Summer Girl or something like that. And in the video, she works as a as the ticket seller at the New Beverly Cinema. Strangely, that's so, pretty. That is pretty weird. So check that out. It's a good video. It's a good song. Okay, cool. Uh, for me this week, I'll recommend an app that I started using. That what was I that? I won't say it. It was it was the smart home assistant we have 
had a, had an opinion on this movie, so just wanted to get it. Well, I do know Google is listening. So. Yeah, that's super creepy. Uh, I'm going to recommend an app I started using to help track movies that I've seen. And you can make like watch lists and things you want to see. It's called Letterboxd. Uh, uh-huh. And so I swiped through all the movies from 2000 to today and marked the ones I've seen. And then I went through and I rated them. And I think I'm at like 1900 movies. Holy crap. Does it give you recommendations for new movies based on your ratings? I haven't seen a page like that. Uh, so I don't, I don't know about that, but I have a watch list of like 67 movies that I want to still see. And I rated and like, my ones and fives are pretty even. I have a lot more, or I have a similar number of twos and threes, and then fewer fours than threes. It's like, I'm not quite a bell curve, but close. Probably like a, my average is 2.5. Okay. That's good to hear. Keep but my it. username is Reed Turley, so you can get on Letterboxd and add me, follow me. All right, I'm going to try to do that. Yeah. Get one friend on Letterboxd. It'll be Ty. <laughs> this this uh, podcast is not in vain. Uh, well, hey, hey, guys, hey, guys out there, freaking ad read, please. He's, he's, so, <laughs> he's so sad right now. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining us for another episode of Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. I'm Ty Turley, and I'm less sweaty now. Thank goodness. Bye. Bye.